Blair Palmer and welcome to the Punks in Suits podcast, bringing the leadership thinking, beliefs, philosophies and practices behind punky, startup-y next stage businesses to you, even if your company's not quite there yet. Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Punks in Suits podcast. How are you? I hope you are very well. Today's podcast is about presenting. Now, often I talk in this podcast about deep and meaningful stuff, inner work and big questions. And today might sound more like a kind of typical leadership development topic, you know, tips for giving better presentations. But here's where I think it's really, really relevant to the whole idea of authentic leadership and stripping back the mask and revealing some of the punk underneath your suit. And that is that there's a way to give presentations that is very conventional. You know, you have your slide pack, you have your script, you get on stage and you talk to the slides for half an hour, 10, 15 minutes, two hours, whatever the slot happens to be. No one is particularly affected, but you manage to get all the information across that you had hoped to get across. And so you feel like, well, you know, I mean, it wasn't the most entertaining two and a half hours of people's lives, but you did what you were meant to do, which was to communicate the information. That is the kind of conventional approach to giving presentations. And the other thing that's very conventional about giving presentations is the fear and nervousness of doing it. So... Most people that I meet don't particularly look forward to giving presentations. They don't particularly enjoy it when when they're on the stage. They suffer from nerves. That shows in their performance. And they look at someone like me or anyone who speaks for a living or anyone who doesn't speak for a living but just seems to happen to be very good at getting on stage and and giving a presentation. They, They look at people like us and they think that, we are just innately good, that this isn't something we had to learn. We were never bad at it. um, And it's a gift and it's a gift that they don't happen to have. And I think if we're going to ask some big questions, I think I think the big question here is, is that true? And for me, the answer is isn't true, because I know for myself that a huge amount of work has gone not only into the content, but into the stagecraft, into the style of delivery and into handling the nerves, which is definitely something that I have experienced and continue to experience. So what I wanted to do is to share with you some of the things that I do um, that maybe you have never seen, that you don't know that people like me do. And this is the stuff that can really make a difference and allow that opportunity, which is such a great opportunity, to be on stage, but to really connect with a group of people all at once. There's something magical about that, something that happens in the room when you create this sense of connectedness between the audience and each person feels like you were speaking directly to them and their experiences. It's it's really a beautiful thing. So how can you use that opportunity and really bring yourself to that opportunity so you do more than just communicate information that people may or may not find interesting and may or may not remember? 
So let's start with the creation of the presentation. There are some questions. When I first created my presentation, which was probably four or five years ago, I mean, it's evolved a lot in that time, but four or five years ago, I sat down with a blank sheet of paper and thought, right, what, what do I want to say? What do I want to say? And that was really my starting point. So I asked myself, what do I really think? You know, this is my topic. My topic is leadership. This is what I know about. Now, what do I actually think about it? And not what have other people said about it. What do I, with my experience, my actual on the ground experience, think of this topic? And that's where I came up with some really original ideas. If all you do is research the topic and find out what other people think, then you're not going to be saying anything original. And frankly, if you don't have anything original to say, there's not much point in standing up on stage. I mean, whatever audience you're talking to, chances are they know something about this topic. Sometimes they know a lot about it. So the only reason they'd be interested in hearing from you is to be provoked to think in a different way. Maybe to be asked different questions, maybe to be challenged, maybe to be told a story that they can then repeat to help them to communicate their message more easily. So you have to really think about what do you actually think? What do you actually want to say to a bunch of people who are going to be sitting there listening to you? And part of that questioning is what do they want or need from me? Now, I ask myself this question every single time. This is a presentation that, as I say, I've given 50 times, I don't know, 60 times. I, I've lost count. But each time I'm giving the presentation, I spend some time in advance thinking, what does this audience, who, who is the audience? What do I know about them from the briefing? What do I know about them from my own research? What do I know about them from reading between the lines? What is my intuition telling me about them? And what do they need or what do they want from me? Now, of course, your initial answer might be, well, they want information, but I'm not sure that they do. I'm not sure that what an audience wants is lots of statistics and lots of facts. Sometimes if you've got really interesting data and you can tell a story about that data, fantastic. If that data helps to support a case that some people doubt there is any logic behind it, then fine, use the data. But I don't think that people are there to hear the numbers. I think that they want to be entertained. I mean, when when you walk out of a movie, you've been sitting there for a couple of hours, no one gives you a handout so you can remember what the movie was about. You remember the movie and even some of the lines in the movie and certainly the storyline and all the characters because you were moved by the experience, because it spoke to you in some way, because it told a story that was relevant to your story. And that's because the filmmaker thought about the audience and what the audience wanted or needed and part of that was to be entertained. Maybe you want your audience to be challenged to think differently. Maybe you want to provoke them. Maybe you want to anger them. Maybe you want to activate them to do something. Maybe you want to reassure them. Or maybe you want to do all of these things at different points in the presentation. But thinking about the audience and what they want and what they need of you is really, really important when you're constructing the presentation.
So be fresh with your ideas. No cliches, please. Remember that your audience didn't just, you know, land here from another planet. They know something about this topic. They have personal experiences. They may be experts themselves. So tell them something fresh. Tell them something they haven't thought of. And if you are going to use a cliche, and occasionally I do, then make it really, really clear. Yep, here it comes, folks. Here's the cliche. And the reason I'm sharing the cliche with you today, even though we all know it to be true, is because even though we know it to be true, none of us is actually doing it. You know, something along those lines that recognises that what you've just said or what you're about to say is conventional thinking, but why it's important for you to repeat it just breaks down a lot of the barriers and allows you to say some stuff that may have been around for a while, isn't brand new, but you've given it a brand new spin and made it relevant for today. So in the creation, think about what do you really think and what do you know about and what is it that you want to say? What does your audience really want? Who are they and what do they need from you? And be fresh. Only tell them stuff that they won't have heard before or they won't have heard in this way. Secondly, practice. Practice! Rehearse! I spend hours rehearsing before I give a presentation and this is a presentation I've given over and over. Chances are when you have to present, you're not going to be presenting material that you've presented before. So even more important to set aside plenty of time to practice. And that doesn't mean flicking through your slides and being familiar with the numbers on the slides. You are not going to be standing in front of your slides repeating what's on them. If that's your plan, you may as well just send the slides out to people and not bother turning up yourself. If you're going to be there, you need to say something that's not on your slides, in which case you need to rehearse. And that rehearsal should be firstly allowed there is no point rehearsing in your head. You have to practice the words coming out of your mouth. It's only when you practice them coming out of your mouth that firstly, you notice if there are any tongue twisters. Secondly, you notice how it sounds. Does it sound good? Does it sound powerful? Can you use a better word there? Can you make your point more precisely, more in more of a compelling way? It's also if you say it out loud that you actually get the muscle memory. So your body actually starts to take over when you're on stage. Your mouth knows what to do because it knows what words follow what other words. So you don't have to remember it so much because your body takes over. The other reason to practice out loud is to practice things like emphasis and where you're going to breathe I notice very often that people don't breathe when they're speaking or they breathe in random places because they, ha they haven't worked out where they're going to breathe. So things like that you notice when you're speaking out loud. And not only out loud, but on your feet. Unless you're planning to present sitting down behind your laptop screen, then you need to present standing up and moving about. What are you going to do with your hands? You've got your whole body to get your ideas across with. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to stand? Where are you going to stand? When are you going to use your hands? What movements are you going to make with your hands? How are you going to use the stage? Very often people talk to me afterwards about, oh, I love the way you use the space. I never know what to do. 
Well, it's not an accident. I practice. I practice in my living room. I practice in the office. I practice in my hotel room the night before. So I'm not just pacing up and down without any purpose. I actually decide at this point, I'm going to stand on the left. I'm going to make this point and then I'll stop speaking and I'll walk across the stage and then I'll be on the right and I'll pause and then I'll make the second point. And this is how I will do one, two, three, four with my fingers. And this is how high I will hold my hand. And the reason you have to do that is, is the same with the muscle memory. On stage, live, in front of an audience, you don't have enough brain space because of the nerves, because of the pumping adrenaline. You don't have enough brain space to think about this stuff. You need to have hardwired it into your body in advance so that you're not even thinking about where you're going to stand when you're actually in the situation. You've already decided and it's it's in your muscle. So practice, practice aloud, practice standing up and practice with a timer. If you've been given 15 minutes to speak, speak for 15 minutes. The audience gets really annoyed if you go over and so do the other speakers who see their time slot being shortened and shortened because you went over. If you're given 45 minutes, practice. You might think 45 minutes is a long time, but it's actually very easy to fill 45 minutes and then realise you didn't make your key points. So practice with a timer and know where you need to be at maybe two or three points in the presentation so you'll know that you're on track. So that's practice. Thirdly, turns of phrase. In order for people to remember what you talked about, it's really good if you can send them away with a few sound bites. And this is something, again, that isn't going to happen by accident when you take to the stage. You actually need to think in advance, what is an analogy I can use here, or a story I can use, or a quote, or can I make up a piece of language here? I mean, I heard a brilliant thing at the Agile conference I was at this week about the shoulder bag worker. Lovely. Now, I'm sure that phrase is around and about. I hadn't heard it before, and I really understood what the speaker meant by the shoulder bag worker. This is someone who works sometimes in the office, sometimes in the coffee shop, which she called the coffice because uh, it's her office, but she also has unlimited supply of coffee there. Um, sometimes working from home, wherever the person likes, but they have their office in their shoulder bag. And I, I really loved that. And that made what she had to say very memorable. And I have a few of my own. I have at a certain point, I say, silence is the killer. And I let that land. I have a few jokes that I tell and the timing of those jokes and even the things that I mutter under my breath as I'm telling those jokes are all prepared in advance. So if you've got some nice turns of phrase that you can create, some little sound bites that you can create, maybe one or two for each point that you want to make, then that's going to make your presentation more memorable more entertaining, and it's going to make it stand out from the crowd. Fourth, think about the shape of your presentation. Now, I work with people over a number of weeks and months sometimes to to shape their presentation and to work on some of the stuff I'm sharing with you. So um, I'm not going to be able to tell you everything in this podcast about shape, but it's important that your presentation has a shape. It needs to have something at the beginning 
then it's not just it needs a middle, the middle needs to be structured. Are you making three points? Are you making five points? If you are making a number of points, you have to clearly navigate people through where they are. I'm going to make four points. I stand up on stage and I say, and then I'm going to bust four myths, four myths of leadership. So people know when I'm on myth two, that we still have two more to go. And this is really important for the audience because there's a big difference to me being on myth two after half an hour when they know there are four than me being on myth two after half an hour and they have no idea. Maybe there are 10 and I'm only on myth two and they're kind of getting a little bit nervous that I could be speaking here for two hours. I'm only on myth two. It's all right. Relax. I'm on two and there are only four and the audience knows where they are. But also I know where I am. I know when I've run out of things to say on myth two, I can move on to myth three. So this is really good for memorizing what it is that you have to say in the structure of your presentation and then have an ending. Have some sort of ending that pulls things together and finish strong. And to be honest, if you start strong and finish strong, people will generally have a good feeling about your presentation. If your middle bit is strong, but your start and end is weak, chances are they won't grade what you've done quite so highly. And when you're thinking about shape, also think about the emotional journey. You know, I mentioned about movies. We remember movies because they touch us at an emotional level. No matter what you're talking about, you can do the same thing. You can make it emotional through creating laughter, through... Um, having interaction so people, you know, people always love it when you ask them to get to their feet or to do something. Um, You can make it emotional by triggering something in them. Like I said, you could trigger um, fear, you could trigger reassurance, you could trigger excitement, you could trigger inspiration. They're just coming up with tons of ideas. All of this stuff will help to shape your presentation So don't think about it as one dimensional. Think at this point, I want to reassure. At this point, I want to create a little bit of anxiety. Or at this point, I want to provoke. And that will also give your presentation some shape. And when people say to me, well, I I need to do something about my voice because I'm kind of monotone. I think, well, that's not going to happen if your presentation, or it certainly won't happen as much if your presentation has shape because you will naturally adapt the way that you speak depending on the shape of the presentation. My fifth tip is about what to do in the run-up to the presentation. So like I said, I created my presentation, the raw bones of it, although a lot of it has gone in the meantime, but the, the start of it, maybe four or five years ago, and I've done this presentation over and over again since. Regardless of that, in the days before, and particularly the day before I give the presentation, I rewrite it. I rewrite it based on the specific brief and specifically thinking about this audience and what they want. But I also, the night before, the day before, I practice again, I time myself again, and I just spend some time, maybe it's just 10 minutes or sometimes it's longer, thinking just about that audience. What am I going to be doing tomorrow? What do they actually need of me? And there's nothing like, you know, even if I did this a few weeks before, 
There's nothing like the anticipation of I'm doing this presentation tomorrow to really focus your mind on thinking about your audience and getting into the zone, if you like, about what it is that they need of you tomorrow for them to have a really amazing experience as they're listening and watching you. Finally, six, I want to talk about nerves. I actually do experience nerves. Less so now, of course, than I did at the beginning. I can certainly remember when it started to wane and me noticing, huh, I don't feel as nervous anymore, but I still have the potential to get nervous if I do certain things in the run-up to speaking that will create a sense of nervousness. One of the things that creates a sense of nervousness is looking at your presentation too many times before you give it. So I rehearse up until the night before. I rehearse very high level rehearsal, just the key points in the morning, often in the shower. And then I pretty much leave it alone. Even if I'm not going to be speaking for another six or seven hours, I pretty much leave it alone at that point. If you obsess too much about it until the minute you get up on stage, you've really created the perfect soup of anxiety and nervousness. So just like an exam in a way, um, I just don't look at it. If I don't know it by the morning of the day that I'm giving the presentation, it doesn't matter how many times I look at it in the next few hours, I'm not going to remember it any better. So firstly, there, there's some stuff I don't do. I also don't sit there thinking about the presentation all day and watching other people and comparing myself to them. What I might do is I might make a little note for myself about something I want to add in or something I can drop because someone else has already said it. Um, and this can happen quite a lot if you're towards the end of the day. As I often am, I'm very often the closing speaker and a lot of the points that I might have made have already been made. So I have to just in my mind adjust how I'm going to do that. And I, I normally see my job as pulling everything together anyway, so that's fine. But I don't want to repeat. So the only thing I'll do during the day is to just in my mind think, OK, that was interesting. And I'll make a note that so and so made this point this morning. And uh, when I make this point later on, I will I'll reference them. I'll credit them for already having said it today. Then when I'm about to go on, there's a few things. Firstly, I always get this rush of adrenaline and I feel nervous and I can't breathe and I can't swallow. And I don't worry about it. I consciously say to myself, oh, hello. I welcome the feeling. Here it is, my old friend. This happens every single time. I welcome it. I do not fear it. I don't think to myself, oh my God, I'm starting to get nervous. I'm going to go on stage and then I'm not going to be able to remember anything. I just recognize that this is a normal thing that's happening. And here we are again. Hello. Welcome, old friend. And that's about the end of it. And it took a bit of practice, but that response to it has made that nervousness disappear more and more quickly to the extent that sometimes I barely even notice that it's happened. The next thing I do is you always get introduced, almost always someone introduces you. I don't listen to my introduction. Listening to the MC of the event or the speaker before me introduce me or whoever it might be 
uh, makes me very nervous and I start to hear all this stuff about myself and I feel like I have to live up to some very high expectations. And so I simply don't listen to the intro. I disappear into my own little world. I'm looking around the audience. I'm thinking about something entirely different. I just close off my ears until I hear the words, ladies and gentlemen, Blair Palmer, and then I just get on the stage. Next thing I do for nerves is I build something into the presentation quite early on that allows me to connect with the audience. I found that if I have to speak for 45 minutes without basically a breather, without any interaction, which is what interaction is. It's a, it's a breather. It's a chance to catch my breath and to just step away from, from the formality of the presentation. If I, if I don't have that, then I actually do get even more nervous. But knowing that all I need to do really is my first opening few sentences and then I can interact, it means that I know I've got a breather coming up. So this week at one of the conferences um, that, that I was speaking at, the very first thing I did when I got on stage is I asked the audience to come a little closer. There were some empty seats at the front um, from people that had left during the day and I just asked them all to come in and I made a little joke about it. Um, so that allowed me to just shake off the, the stress of that situation, the formality of that situation. Now we're all buddies. Now that was an ad-libbed one. But in addition, there's a thing that I do very early on in the presentation where I ask for input from the audience. And that's there partly because I want input from the audience and partly because I need to just gather myself in that moment. Or I don't always need to, but if I need to, I know that that moment is coming and I've built it in. I used to do the same thing when I read the news on local radio. I would say... The time is three o'clock, the top story is this hour. And then I would almost immediately play a 10 second clip of the prime minister or a local politician or the local policeman talking about the top story, whatever it was, um, in that moment. Because listening to the news theme music and then having to come in straight off the back of that and say, it's three o'clock, the top story is this hour, I, I felt the inability to breathe and the inability to swallow happening and I knew that if I just pop a little clip in here a little news clip a little clip of an interview that's coming in full later on in the bulletin I'll be able to stop I'll be able to swallow I'll be able to breathe and then I'll be fine so I've been doing this for a long time and it works great with presentations too and then the final thing about um, about nerves is Love the script. I mean, I've told you, rehearse, 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 rehearse aloud, rehearse standing up, rehearse against a timer. Know your stuff inside out. Have these beautiful terms of phrase. Uh, know the structure very, very well. Love the script. And then let it go. This is not a test of memory. You are not being asked to memorise a script and then relay it word perfect. Once you're on stage... Of course, keep the messages. Of course, keep those lovely turns of phrase. Keep the shape, definitely. Keep the jokes in. But don't worry about the odd little slip up or even losing your way. I always have on cards, on the stage, hidden away somewhere, some prompts. And I have, without embarrassment, said to audiences before now, hang on a minute, let me just see what else I wanted to say to you. It's absolutely fine. 
And I think that stress of thinking that you need to remember every single word and be word perfect is very bad for nerves. Once you're up there, life takes place. You know, things happen. Someone speaks to you from the audience. Something unexpected happens. The slide doesn't play. Whatever it might be, it's never going to be exactly the way you had planned. And so having this kind of loose, tight relationship with your script really helps with nerves. I think the key point to everything I've said here is that you're still a human being on stage. You have to recognise that there is planning and preparation that goes into giving a presentation. And the more you can be yourself in the presentation, the better, the more engaging it's going to be for people. The more you can engage people to be human, to, to interact with you, to get up on their feet at a certain point, maybe to ask questions or to do some kind of activity, the better. And, you know, because you're going to be a human being and because that's the best way to be, it's the only way to make connection anyway. It doesn't really matter if you forget where you are or you make a mistake or you trip over your words or a joke falls flat because it's that humanity that's making the presentation work its magic. So, of course, there's a lot more to say about giving presentations. And like I say, you know, sometimes I work with individuals over a period of months on this. Sometimes I run two, three day workshops uh, on this topic. So I haven't been able to cover everything. It's obviously something you can talk to me about if you want to. And Ivy will be here in a moment to explain how you can do that. But I hope that you've taken something away from this podcast today that you can use next time you have to give a presentation. So, as I said, I'm pretty much done. But to summarise the key points and tell you how you can stay in touch with me, here's the lovely Ivy Palmer. Talk about what you know and what you really think. Practice aloud and on your feet. Find some nice sound bites that people will remember. Give your presentation a shape. Think about your audience and what they really need of you. And then, let go of having to get it all right. Remember, you can stay in touch with us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And, as always, please share this podcast. People are saying lovely things about it. And we want more people to hear it. presentation a pretty one and um and i had um poppy and michael in my group and it was really fun because we did it to the parents and i told um mummy a lot about the presentation already so mummy didn't actually have anything to look forward to only to watch me but she know but she basically knew everything else did i get most of my tips in this podcast from watching you i don't know <laughs>